BSI presents The Standard Show, the podcast that brings you the stories behind the standards with Matthew Childs and Cindy Paragill. Today's episode is on the Standards Awards. Now, given that this is the awards episode, Cindy Paragill, I can see that you've come prepared to celebrate in the traditional standard show way. I certainly have, Matthew Child. <laughs> what have you got there? What have you got there? Well, some Belgian chocolate cake. <laughs> show me, show me, show me. Here, look at it. Isn't oh, ve- it? Oh, very good, very good. And any reason why you've chosen Belgian chocolate cake? No, it's just my favourite <laughs> chocolate cake. <laughs> and what have you got there? What have I? Okay, I've got. Look at that. A bit of uh, Victoria sponge. That looks really good. So I think, you know, the Victoria sponge uh, mm-hmm. is the best cake. Thank, thank you for coming to my TED talk. <laughs> sure. <laughs> and having with it, what are you drinking with it? Tea. tea. Oh, tea today. I know. Not coffee for a what? change. And oh, you? Wow. <laughs> of course, tea. Yeah, um, yeah. Straight up builders' tea. Uh, any particular reason why? Why normally coffee for you? Feeling very English today. <laughs> That's why. <laughs> awesome. Well, I'm gonna. I'm looking forward to tucking into. My, I might even try and taste it. Actually, do you want to try yours? Yeah. I'm gonna try. It. Okay. Is it li- live podcast? Mm-hmm. Eating eating uh, cake on the podcast. Yeah. Actually, I think mine is better, Matthew. Yours yours does look good. I'm I'm a big fan of chocolate cake. But as I said, a Victoria sponge is the best cake. Now, before we go any further, I should say hello. I'm Matthew Childs and I'm with... Cindy Paracle. And this is The Standard Show, the podcast that brings you the stories behind the standards. Now, as well as enjoying these lovely cakes, of which the Victoria sponge is the best, the job of Cindy and I in this episode is a very simple and straightforward one, and that is to introduce the conversations I had with some very happy and successful people, the winners of Standards Awards in 2022. Yes, so since 2014, the BSI Standards Awards have recognized exceptional contributions to standards making, the Standards Makers Awards, or the successful use of voluntary standards to achieve particular outcomes, the Standards Users Awards. And I caught up with five very different winners at the BSI Standards Awards ceremony. And not just winners of those BSI Standards Makers and Users Awards, but also winners of awards from ISO and IEC. In part two of the episode, we'll hear from the winner of the Wolf Barry Medal, the big BSI Standards Award made every year to recognise exceptional contribution over a standards development career. But in part one of the episode, we'll hear my conversations with four other award winners. Susan Rowbottom and Richard Lewis from facilities management company MCOR for how they have used ISO 27500, the standard for the human-centred organisation, and also ISO 45003 for occupational health and safety management. Clarifications corner here. I think I may have had too much Victoria sponge. Though ISO 45003 is occupational health and safety management, the key thing to say here is that it's all about psychological health and safety in the workplace. And talking of ISO 45003, and with a beautiful segue, Matthew, we'll hear your chat with Sally Swingewood, committee manager of technical committee TC283. 
Sally, along with committee chair Martin Cottom, won ISO's prestigious Lawrence D. Iker Leadership Award. So this award is given for significant contribution and superior performance of an ISO technical committee or subcommittee to the development of ISO international standards. So Sally and Martin won for their leadership in developing the ISO standard 45003. Yes, and we should say, Cindy, shouldn't we, that also very much friends of the podcast, Sally and Martin. Indeed. Then we'll hear from Andy Evans, Technical Director from Gambica, about receiving an IEC 1906 award. Now, the IEC 1906 awards commemorate the IEC's year of foundation and honour the experts around the world whose work is fundamental to the IEC. Yes, Andy has been recognized for his successful leadership in the conversion of IEC TS62850 into IEC 61010 2 130. Well done with that. Well done. <laughs> Thank you. I needed I needed to hear that. <laughs> so this is the first standard giving particular requirements for equipment intended to be used in educational establishments by children. But first, we'll hear from Dr. Victoria Hearth from Cambridge University's Institute for Sustainability Leadership, winner of the BSI Standards Makers Award for Creativity in Standardisation. Victoria has been recognised for her work on ISO 37000, Governance of Organisations, encouraging fellow standards makers to come up with new ways of working, and for her skill in working with diverse stakeholders and participants with conflicting opinions. I started by asking Victoria to tell me more about ISO 37000. It was a very, it was a, a fairly novel, important standard, ISO 37000, Governance of Organisations. And so we were aware, uh, ISO had never made standards in that space before. It sort of stopped at management and not really properly moved into the governance space. And so we were really aware that there was some tension around whether ISO should do it and, and could we even have a global um voice and view on what good governance was and so we had to really work hard to find creative ways to make sure that people felt included, that we were representing all stakeholders. So we paid a lot of attention myself and my co-convener Axel Kravatsky from Trinidad and Tobago, I was under a twinning arrangement, we tried worked really hard and, and, and also at the beginning of sessions got everyone's voice into the room like how should we run this session how do we get the most out of everyone who are the stakeholders we need to bring into the room and and, and do we you know for example some people would sort of take the role of a certain stakeholder to make sure we were covering all camps so li little things like that but it all adds up perhaps and what and why i mean how did you find what was that experience like was that frustrating sometimes or invigorating inspiring how did you find that experience <laughs> yeah i mean sometimes like treacle but that's part of the process, sometimes highly politicised in a way that I don't really think it should be. Um, it was, uh, yeah, the, the, the crux of what it is to bring humans together in a shared endeavour under a time scale that's pressing to produce something really important and technically rich. And you, that's what you do when you create standards. So in that sort of pressure cooker, um, it can feel all extremes. <laughs> Um, but I think the thing is, we all knew we were there for something important. We believed that this needed to be done. We believed it could be done. 
And so I think that camaraderie, that global camaraderie on a topic that is so critical if we're going to help organizations align with long-term well-being for everyone, a sustainable future, you don't have good governance, you, you, you don't, and all organizations need good governance, then we're probably working against that future. So. We knew we were there for the right reasons and that got us through the hard times. Yeah. I just wonder, you're obviously talking very passionately about Santa's making. I just wonder what is it that motivates you to continue and also what you might say to someone early part of their career, maybe even not even thinking yet about getting involved with standards, what would they say? So what, what is it that motivates you and what would you say to the people who are just starting out really? I always marked, there are a few moments in my life that I marked as a, a sign of my maturity to a next stage. And one of those, and I think that might be true for most people, is the point at which you realise how important standards are. <laughs> there's a point at which you think they're boring and unnecessary and slow and what's the point? And there's a point that you go, ah, my uh, God. And, and what was that for you? Well, it was just that realisation that, my gosh, if we want to solve problems collectively, that is not quick, it is not easy. And if we do not unite our voice around text, specific words in a specific order, then how can we possibly know whether we actually vehemently agree or disagree? So there is something about the process of bringing a, a, a norm, I mean, that's what we're talking about, a, a sort of bubbling up under the surface collective agreement about something and pinning it down. And that means then, if others disagree, they can pinpoint the clause and the sentence, you know, or the word that needs to change. And invariably, it might turn out that actually they don't disagree when it comes down to it. They just thought they disagreed. So there's something so uniting and uh, energy efficiency. So it's an ironic, it's a paradox, right? But but that slow, deliberate process saves a huge amount of time. And so that's the irony in Standards Book. And the reason I'm involved is because. In the, with the world as, as it is. We are on a cliff edge for humanity. Some of us realize it, some of us don't, but we have about 12 major crises we have to innovate solutions for at once in service of humanity. We have massive issues in terms of our global governance. Uh, we, we have basically ungoverned our economies in terms of the well-being they should be producing. How do we fill that gap? And one of those key gaps that can be it, one key way we can fill those gaps is standards building and not just any old standards building we need standards that are not owned by anyone that are, don't come with the baggage of a one person's agenda that people can see as a neutral space that they can move into and they can debate and discuss and share because then the solutions are not owned by anyone they're owned by everyone and national standards bodies and iso as the place where all those come together we need those and we need to lean on them and we need them to be fit for purpose. So is that your pitch to young people? You've got, you've got the 12 crises you talked about there, so become a standards maker and save humanity? Absolutely. I, I really don't think that there is a... I, 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 we have to get on, do it and test. And then, at the same time, we need to be bringing the fruits of that. So for all young people wanting action now, do that we all need to be acting now but at the same time we need to be bringing the lessons into a central place that's not owned by anyone therefore it's owned by all of us where we use that to build collective understanding because my understanding of, of 20 years specifically thinking about the, and, and, and working in this field is actually we're all in general saying the same things in a slightly different way let's not waste our time battling when actually we agree the same thing let's crystallize what that same thing is Thank you, Victoria. Congratulations again. Thank you very much.
Now, I'm jumping in here to ask, do you want to join Victoria and become a standards maker and have your say on the development of standards to tackle those global challenges? Well, BSI welcomes applicants from all fields, backgrounds and career stages. Our goal is to have a balance of views around the table. So if you want to make a difference and shape the world through standards, start your standards making journey now by visiting bsigroup.com forward slash get involved. Now to the next of our award winners, Encore. So I'm with Suzanne and Richard from Encore. So Susan, tell me about Encore first. What do Encore do? Actually, she's already passed the baton on, so Richard's going to do that. So Encore, uh, yes, so we're a facilities management company. Um, there's about over 4,000 employees now. So right across the whole scope of facilities management, from soft services, piled services, projects, the total FM and a package. Um, turning over, over 300 million. Um, we are a subsidiary of a bigger, larger um, America, um, Encore Inc. in the States. So that's part of a very big, large kind of globe, uh, US-based kind of organization, about 28,000. Um, work with private sector, public sector, uh, anything from a single man in a van right through to huge contracts with two or three hundred guys on a, on a static site, highly regulated environments. Awesome. Now, I'm, you're not going to pass this one across now, Susan. So, <laughs> so tell me what you won the award for. Uh, business improvement. Uh, so it's our implementation of ISL 45003, which is a psychosocial um, health and safety standard. Um, so we've implemented that al along with 45001, uh, in line with the human-centred organisation approach. So. And why are those two particular standards important to you? I was thinking, I think it was Martin who said before, and he kind of summed it up, and it's this language that we use a lot um, around having ha healthy and motivated workers and sending them home safely at the end of the day. We sort of sums it up, really. We've got um, um, the, go on, what do call it? The... This is the shock of winning an award, and mine has gone blank. <laughs> no, that's amazing. The whole person approach, no, right. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, the whole person approach is what we're adopting, and it's essentially that looking after physical and mental risks and minimising those and, and sending our employees home safely and healthy and, and happy at the end of the day. Most of the Martin you talk about, there's Martin Cottam's chair, the, the TC238 that looks after all these occupations. Clarifications corner. Actually, it's not TC238, but TC283. I just wonder, you've talked there about the, why they're important. What difference and ha what difference are they making to the business and how? I, I suppose from my perspective, in terms of, and I think probably now more than ever, you know, when people, bringing people into an organisation and retaining them as well, you know, they need to know they're going to be looked after. And I think 45,003, everybody's facing challenges, you know, mental health over the past couple of years. I think if you haven't been, then you've probably been living in a corner somewhere. You know, so it's kind of massive challenges you know, around all our mental health. So I think to know that we've got that support mechanism in place and that you know, the organisation is genuinely looking at you as a human being you know, and you're kind of going to work with some challenges perhaps which are work-related is really important. I mean, does this work alongside other standards at all? Yeah, I was just thinking about that. Then obviously we, we mentioned 45,001, which we've had for a number of years. It felt like a natural progression to enhance that and, and align with 45,003. Um, and we're looking to continue that journey as well, to look at things like combined assessments. We've obviously got our management systems, which are an integrated approach. Um, so yeah, and it, it falls in line with our other standards. We have 80 total, so. Uh, 80 total. So yeah. with like 9,001 other quality management systems uh, like that? Health, health and safety, quality environment, energy, um, information security, business continuity, collaborative. collaborative. 
relationships. I might have missed one. Hopefully, I got. Well, it's an interesting question because obviously the culture, there's a standard culture here at the organisation. How has that happened? What, how was that? What, 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 what happened in order to think? Okay, we're going to use standards here as best practice. How was that? How did it start? Oh yes. I mean, I we've always had the, the three, the main three, which we, we class as health, safety, quality, and environment. Um, and then as, as we've um, evolved and grown as a company, we, um, we know we've, we've um, engaged with heads of these departments and, and looked at opportunities. Certainly working as a, a key account with BSI Health, we get um, opportunities to be uh, a part of the early adopter scheme, which is great. Um, so yeah, it's just been a natural progress in that thing. Do, do you think that now you've got eight in, eight in sort of uh, integrate into the business? Does that allow the next one that you use? It just becomes easier to, to, to incorporate into what you're doing? I think we definitely saw that with this standard. We had a very short time scale to implement it. I think it was three or four months to be part of the early adopters program. And we did that. We had the tools. It was just bringing them into the framework, which are robust and established and, and improving. So... Yeah, I wouldn't say it's easy, but it is a little bit more straightforward with those embedded standards. I suppose the final thought, what, what does it mean to win an award for the SI award? It's fantastic, of course, to be, to be recognised you know, amongst all of your peers. Yeah, it, it's, it's great. You know, and it's a, obviously, it's a, a wide team who are responsible for implementation and taking it forward you know, to get the real benefit from it. But yeah, I think to be in front of all of your peers to win an award is fantastic. Actually, it's a final, final question, maybe, Suzanne. If you're an organisation who has, hasn't looked at this standard yet, or these standards, 45,001 for advice and three, what would you say to them? I would, I would take a look at it. Um, um, you know, it, it can be a daunting task, especially if you've not got the other standards, but take a look. Sometimes it's a longer journey than others. They might be able to adopt parts of the standard or even, even adopt the framework without being certified. There's loads of different options, but we've certainly seen the benefits from it. So I'd encourage people to just take a look at it. Thanks very much. Congratulations again. Thank you. I thought I might grab grab a moment with award-winning Sally Swingewood. How are you doing, Sally? I'm all right, thank you. How are you, Matthew? I'm, I'm very good. Now, tell us all about this ISO award you won recently. The LDICA award. Um, as the committee manager of TC283, we are so thrilled. We've really worked hard with this committee to build a culture of trust onto our theme for today. And... Um, you know, really make sure that we're serving our, our users, our end users, and protect workers. And obviously with the pandemic and climate change, there's so much going on, and we're all in a bit of a crisis. So it was really nice to be recognized. And you better tell us what TC283 does. Apologies. It's Occupational Health and Safety Management, all about looking after the health and safety of workers across the globe. Now, before we hear from some of our other award winners, I just want to say a quick reminder that here on The Standard Show, we really welcome your feedback. Please rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts, especially if you listen to us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Find and follow us on Twitter at Standard Show and on Instagram at The Standard Show. And check out the show notes for all of the ways to get in touch. Now, back to our award winners and Andy Evans. So Andy, um, award-winning Andy Evans, and I can say that you won a won an IEC nineteen oh six award. Yes, thank you, Matthew. Yes, very. It's always it's always nice to be recognised. You know, you don't expect these things. You know, you do your job, and uh, you know, I actually enjoy doing it. And it, especially if it's something you believe in. I mean, this is particular requirements for equipment sold into schools. Uh, but so you know. You, 
for me, that's important, protecting um, this type of instrumentation within science. Give us an example of that, Andy. Well, for example, you may have an oscilloscope or something that the children are using in schools, young children. It's, um, I think it's a good thing to get them more involved, more engaged with technology at an early age, but we don't really want big gaps where they could put, put their fingers in and electrocute themselves, for example, where... That would be a handy not to do that. I mean, you've been, you work for Gambica. How long have you been, been involved with standards? Um, well, with standards, probably not a lot before I joined Gambica 12 years ago. Um, but I was involved with some standards, mainly to do with uh, instrumentation and control valves within the process control industry, mainly for oil and gas. Um, now, we know you and I have worked, we should say, we, you and I have worked in the past on the IC Young Professionals Programme. You've just been across in, in San Francisco at the IC General Meeting there. How was that and how well did our young professionals from the UK, how well did they perform out there on the Young Professionals Programme for us? Well, all I can say is I was very proud to be from the UK because, you know, Jasper, Ed and Graham were all very impressive candidates. And, um, you know, we, we have a slight advantage in that the IEC language is English and they're obviously all native speakers and they're in challenging situations. So, I, you know, I was very, very proud of them and they, they, they were great ambassadors for the UK. Well, they'd have started their journey and hopefully at some point in the future they'll be getting their own IEC 1906 award. Maybe, maybe that will happen. I'm sure, I'm confident, we, they, they must be recognised at some point to get a 1906 award and be happy about it. <laughs> now, the big award of the year is the Wolf Barry Medal. This is an award to recognise outstanding and sustained impact on standardisation and exceptional contribution over a stands development career. Think of it as a Lifetime Achievement Award. John Barry was an English civil engineer, born on the 7th of December, 1836, the youngest son of famous architect Sir Charles Barry. His most famous project is Tower Bridge, over the River Thames in London, which was constructed between 1886 and 1894. After receiving a knighthood in 1897, he added Wolfe to his inherited name in 1898 to become Sir John Wolfe Barry. Wolfe Barry played a prominent role in the development of industry standardisation. He urged the institution of Civil Engineers Council to form a committee to focus on standards for iron and steel sections. Two members each from the Institution of Civil Engineers, the Institution of Mechanical Engineers, the Institution of Naval Architects and the Iron and Steel Institute first met on the 26th of April 1901. With the Institution of Electrical Engineers joining the following year, these bodies were the founder institutions of what is today the British Standards Institution, or BSI. Now, the Wolf Barry Medal in 2022 has been awarded to Carol Houghton in recognition of her 50-year contribution to standards in the field of fire safety and energy performance of building materials at national, European and international levels. I spoke to Carol right after she received her award and I started by asking her, how did it feel to be recognised in this way? Quite astounding, actually. Um... Still can't believe it, but yes, there it is. It's, it's really amazing. Thank you. And you said on stage there, when David, David Bell read out the citation, you've been working in silence for 50 years. Yes, indeed. What, 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 what motivates you to keep going? Well, I found the work sometimes, as I said, challenging, but always interesting. And you like to think also that at the end of the day, you are making a difference. And 
maybe it's a bit of stubbornness, but also thinking that we do it well in the UK and we help people achieve what we feel is the right objective, not just simply to defend the UK, but what we feel is always the correct solution. And tell us about the, the, the standards work that you've been involved with, the broad areas. Uh, well, initially it was uh, all BSI work, uh, starting in the field of fire testing, but quickly moving into areas of thermal and energy performance of buildings and so on. Um, I was responsible for a committee that was preparing test methods for thermal insulation materials and also um, a terminology group at the European level where you, we were writing what was probably the first trilingual um, terminology standard covering thermal insulation materials. And there we had our first difficulties trying to get two people from one country, two people from one language but different countries trying to agree on the right form of words to use, which was hilarious at times. Looking back over 50 years, what, what, are, the, like, what are two things you're most proud of? Well, I think one of the biggest achievements was bringing the work in the new committee B557 to fruition at the international level because it involved not just technical input and agreement, but there was a political element because it was a, a mandate from the European Commission and we were also directly feeding input into a European Commission expert group that was dealing with the same subject. So we were dealing with political issues, which meant we were liaising with government officials as well as with the normal uh, colleagues you'd expect to find in standards work, uh, technocrats and laboratories and so on and so forth. Now, given that you think about what happens over a period of 50 years, governments have come and gone, and organisations have come and gone, and even political ideas may have come and gone. I just wonder, the fact that you're still working in terms, what does that say about standards? I think it proves how valuable they are. And I think a lot of people in the general public don't necessarily appreciate the impact that standards are having on their everyday life from the performance of their products to the, indeed their own safety. Now, you've obviously enjoyed enormously your, the contribution you've made to, the, to standards making. I just wonder what you would say to someone maybe the start of their career or even thinking about getting involved with, with standards, so sitting around com committee tables and, and deciding what good looks like, what advice would you give to them? I think don't try and re outreach your expectations to begin with. Um, every input that you give is valuable, no matter how small it might be. You have expertise and you can bring it to the table and through the consensus process, you may not get them all agreed, but you'll get some of them agreed and so you are making a difference, you're contributing and you're giving your input and hence representing maybe your company or your trade association, but always at the international level, the United Kingdom. Wow, that, that was lovely, wasn't it? Making standards for half a century. Imagine That's that. That's just amazing. <laughs> now, I did check, Cindy, because I'd said to Carol about how many governments and prime ministers there had been during that period. I just wondered how many it was. So I checked, 22 governments and 12. <laughs> wow, that, that's really remarkable <laughs> to say the least. <laughs> During all of that time, standard was, uh, Carol was there making wow, standards. Nice well, all that change was going on in the political world and the standards world was just carrying on <laughs> with creating good practice. Indeed, a very good story. <laughs> and 
I found it really lovely listening to the other winners as well. Um, and in particular, the approach of MCOR, so where Suzanne and Richard were talking about using standards to change the culture of the organization and to make it a better place to work. Really inspiring stuff. It, definitely inspiring stuff. And I think I think this is worth a trip out, don't you, to see it in action. Absolutely. I think we should definitely follow up with MCOR and have a, have a proper chat with them and meet some of the people there in the organization. Because you're right, really inspiring stuff about how they're you know, making that a better place to work and using all of those standards, not just the two they, they won the award for, but how they use them together to create that fantastic environment. So I think definitely a trip out for us. Absolutely. So 2023, Matthew Charles and Cindy Paracle at MCOR. <laughs> and I just want to highlight one more point. Um, the passion um, from Victoria about how standards can just change the world. It's, it's just amazing. It, 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 absolutely. And I think also for me personally, to see the work of Andy Evans being recognized, Andy from, from Gambico, is someone who I've worked with over the years and I know puts in a huge amount of effort and passion for developing the next generation of standards makers. That's what it's all about. And also, it's absolutely. And for Martin, Martin Cotton and Sally Swindwood too and their committee, TC283, and the standards they've developed on health and safety at work, which, as you know, received a huge amount of attention and focus during during the COVID-19 pandemic. And I think it was really good to see all of that being recognised by ISO. We should say, shouldn't we, good luck, Sally, with the new job in Absolutely, ISO. good luck. And now, the full list of awards can be found on the BSI website and details are in the show notes. Well, you've um, you've polished off your cake there. How, how was that? It was delicious. <laughs> and yours? Not bad, not bad at all. And as I said at the beginning, the Victoria sponge is the best cake. Uh Okay. You have been listening to an episode of The Standard Show with Matthew Childs and Cindy Paragill. Subscribe to us now, wherever you get your podcasts. You just heard a stripped media production.